a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. So glad you're with us here on this uh, Monday, August the 8th. We've got a lot of stuff to uh, talk about, including uh, an incredible uh, armed citizen story a little bit later on in the uh, program. But uh, I-, I thought we could talk today... But what's going on in Florida, where, you know, Governor Ron DeSantis uh, a couple of days ago suspended one of the uh, state's attorneys uh, for, in essence, not doing their job, right? Uh, And now the uh, Orlando Sentinel uh, is out with a uh, a sort of a a whatabout story, right? If you're going to uh, suspend the state's attorneys for... Not uh, prosecuting uh, uh, certain cases. Well, what about, they wonder, the uh, constitutional sheriff movement? Or, you know, Second Amendment sanctuaries, which the Orlando Sentinel says has so far escaped Governor DeSantis's uh, scrutiny. They uh, start out their piece. Hillsborough County State Attorney Andrew Warren is not the only elected official in Florida who has promised not to enforce laws that he thinks are unconstitutional. Some elected sheriffs have suggested that they would not enforce gun control measures, tapping into an ideology that sheriffs are the final arbiter of what is constitutional. But that movement, they say, has not sparked action from Governor Ron DeSantis, who ordered a statewide review of state attorneys and their policy positions. Now, I I think there's a, a, a little bit of a difference. Maybe not a huge difference, but at least a little bit of a difference between uh, what Andrew Warren is accused of doing uh, and what these, uh, quote unquote, constitutional sheriffs have said. To the best of my knowledge, I'm not aware that Warren has said that things like uh, laws against prostitution uh, and some of the other low level crimes that his office says he simply won't prosecute are unconstitutional. Uh, But that may be a distinction without a difference. Uh, because Warren says, look, I've got discretion uh, as a state's attorney to decide what cases I'm going to spend my finite amount of resources prosecuting, and I'm not going to focus on these low-level crimes. And that is similar to what we've seen from some Second Amendment sanctuaries, right? Uh, oftentimes, uh, and by the way, you know, the Second Amendment sanctuaries, there, there's no one policy. These are generally, you know, bottom-up true grassroots uh, ordinances or resolutions that are put in place. And so they do vary from county to county, uh, from community to community. But there are a couple of primary options when it comes to Second Amendment sanctuaries. You have the, uh, let's say, let's go with the Second Amendment Preservation Act model. Uh, This is the state law that was passed in Missouri uh, that the Biden administration, as well as gun control groups, are, are, are trying to challenge in court. That law says, in essence, um, we will not recognize nor enforce any new federal gun control legislation, right? So that, that, that just draws a line in the sand. Any new gun laws, we're just not going to enforce them. Uh, and not even uh, the Missouri law, I don't even think it says unless they've been proven to be constitutional, but, but there may be that out. I got to go back and uh, check the, uh, the, the uh, actual text of the legislation. The other model basically says we're not going to spend uh, any money to enforce these particular gun control measures. Uh, Burrowville, Rhode Island, I think is a, a good example of this. Burrowville put its Second Amendment Sanctuary Ordinance on the books last year. 
Uh, and now, you know, we talked about this maybe a few weeks ago, the state of Rhode Island has approved a ban on so-called high-capacity magazines. Uh, and the Burrillville City Council members, uh, including the Burrillville City Council president, says, well, we're not going to abide by that, and we don't plan on enforcing that law uh, within the uh, the community. Now, that doesn't stop the Rhode Island State Police from doing so, but it it's a message from the local government that we're not going to spend a dime uh, enforcing these laws that we feel are unconstitutional uh, or uh, laws that we don't think are of usefulness in terms of fighting violent crime. So again, we're going to prioritize what it is that we're actually going to be focusing on. Um, I think that there is a little bit of an overlap between the prosecutorial discretion that uh, Warren uh, claims to be using and the discretion on the part of law enforcement uh, when it comes to enforcing new gun control laws. Now, uh, the Orlando Sentinel says that uh, a DeSantis spokesman did not respond to a question on Friday on whether the governor has concerns about the constitutional sheriff movement. State Representative Dan, Dan, uh, excuse me, Dan Daly of uh, Sunrise, Florida, however, said the governor's position is hypocritical because other elected officials remain in office who have made similar promises on issues important to conservatives. He says, all you have to do is Google Florida sheriff not enforcing. And there are so many examples, mostly related to guns. If this is the game that you're going to play and tell me it's not political, you better start suspending those people, too. I don't think we're going to see that in Florida. But uh, I am worried about blue states. You know, and it may be that Florida's constitution is unique in the fact that the governor can remove from office uh, elected officials. Uh, but I got to tell you, I mean, if I were a Second Amendment sanctuary sheriff in a blue state, I'd be closely looking at my state constitution right now to see if the governor in my state has the same authority that uh, Governor Ron DeSantis has in Florida. Because if they do, yeah, we are going to see some tit for tat here. Uh, just like we saw California Governor Gavin Newsom, you know, sign a bill that, that he himself says, I don't even know if it's constitutional, but we're going to let the Supreme Court decide because it's modeled off this uh, abortion law in Texas that I don't like. So we're just going to do the same thing with guns and see what happens. If there are anti-gun governors who, based on the state constitution, have the authority to remove uh, sheriffs and Second Amendment sanctuaries because those sheriffs say we're not going to enforce any new federal gun control measures. Unfortunately, I think that is likely to happen. Uh, again, not in Florida, but uh, in other states. Um, as the Sentinel notes, DeSantis cited neglect of duty and incompetence in the order suspending Andrew Warren, accusing him of implementing a policy of, quote, presumptive non-enforcement of certain criminal violations, including trespassing at a business location, disorderly conduct, disorderly intoxication, and prostitution. Uh, the Sentinel says the suspension order doesn't mention any specific cases, instead focusing on Warren's policy positions. Warren said he hasn't had any cases referred to his office involving abortion or gender transition treatments. That was something else that uh, Governor DeSantis uh, brought up. But again, <clears throat> those cases have not been brought forward. That, however, was just one of the reasons that the governor gave uh, for a Warren suspension. The Sentinel did note something that I, I either was not aware of or I had forgotten because <laughs> it's been almost a decade. But they point out that in 2013, now Senator Rick Scott, former Governor Rick Scott, suspended the sheriff in Liberty County, Florida, Nick Finch, 
after he uh, freed a man accused of carrying a concealed firearm without a permit. Florida, you know, is not open carry. It's not constitutional carry. Um, interestingly enough, Finch was reinstated after a jury in Liberty County found him not guilty of official misconduct and falsifying public records. He lost his reelection bid in uh, 2016, but he was reinstated. So I guess there is some precedent uh, in Florida to do this type of thing. And I say, you know, I don't think it's likely that we'll see this uh, type of response from uh, DeSantis. However, uh, if Charlie Crist or Nikki Freed, the uh, two Democrats running for governor of Florida, uh, were to win, if one of those two individuals were to win in November, the primary is not taking place. So we don't know who the Democratic candidate is going to be. Probably going to be Charlie Crist, but we'll see. But if the Democrats were to win in November, I think they absolutely would use this policy to go after not just one or two county sheriffs, but as many county sheriffs as they possibly could find. Uh, Again, this is sort of an escalation in the culture war battle. There are, unfortunately, I think going to be some unintended consequences here when it comes to our Second Amendment rights. Uh, Again, I think we've got a, a ways to go before this issue rears its ugly head particularly in Florida, because I think Ron DeSantis is going to win in November. I think he's going to win pretty handily, as a matter of fact. But, as I said, in other blue states, if I'm a Second Amendment sanctuary community, if I'm a Second Amendment sanctuary sheriff, yeah, I'm going over the state constitution with a fine-tooth comb and seeing what authority is vested in the governor uh, to respond as Governor DeSantis did and has, because you know that anti-gun politicians are going to want to do the same thing to, uh, you know, send a message and whatnot. Now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there. Story out of Dayton, Ohio. You know, uh, Nan Whaley, the former mayor of Dayton, who's now running for governor uh, as a Democrat, has uh, bashed Governor Mike DeWine. Uh, she says he's given up on uh, on gun control, which, frankly, I, I think is a good thing. He's not given up on fighting violent crime, but let's be honest here. The type of gun control laws that Nan Whaley calling for are aimed at law-abiding legal gun owners. Meanwhile, the criminal justice system in Dayton and across the rest of the state of Ohio and across all 49 other states continues to drop the ball when it comes to violent offenders. Here's Here's a headline from Dayton itself. Man on triple probation. Convicted of armed robbery in Dayton. What the heck is triple probation? Is that like double secret probation? What is that? Well, a jury in Dayton, Ohio, found a man guilty last Wednesday in a gunpoint robbery that took place back in February. 38-year-old Timothy Lewis was on probation for three separate criminal cases when he uh, robbed the Delphos carryout back on February 15th. Uh, At the time of the armed robbery, Uh, Lewis was on probation. He had been convicted of possession of heroin in June of 2018, and he was given probation. And then he was convicted of aggravated possession of drugs in April of 2019 and was granted intervention in lieu of conviction. Now, nonviolent drug arrests, I, I personally think that jail is a really good place for people to clean out as long as they've got some sort of uh you know resources behind bars to, to help them do that but that that's a, a actually i mean that's a structured environment 
So I'm not adverse to putting uh, even nonviolent drug offenders in jail. I don't think it should necessarily be a punitive sentence of, you know, five or 10 years for simple possession of drugs. But if, if that is a place where they can get clean and sober and start to develop the habits that will allow them to remain clean and sober when they are out, again, I'm not adverse to that. But I also understand the argument against putting nonviolent drug offenders behind bars. Not here to argue that. The third case, though, from Lewis was uh, in September of 2020. He was convicted of aggravated robbery. Okay. Now, that's not a nonviolent offense. That's not a simple you know, drug possession case. That's a violent crime. What happened after he was uh, convicted of aggravated robbery was that his intervention in lieu of conviction was revoked. And then he was placed on probation for all three cases, which I just, I don't understand this. And it gets even worse. Uh, according to the prosecutor's office, after the jury verdict was announced in this latest case, again, armed robbery, a motion was made to revoke the defendant's bond. So that I guess, I, I, I guess that he would be in jail until his sentencing takes place in August, August 15th, right? So that's just a few days from now. But according to the prosecutor, a judge denied that request to revoke Lewis's bond, which means that he was sent free, even though he's scheduled to be sentenced just a few days from now. So the criminal justice system is still not taking someone like Timothy Lewis seriously. I'm not going to say, I mean, there's a chance he could end up on quadruple probation at this point. And, you know, for all of Nan Whaley's uh, wailing about uh, constitutional carry and other uh, pro-Second Amendment measures, this, this is an issue in Ohio that should be talked about. Because when you do have repeat violent offenders getting a slap on the wrist and being sent on their way, what message does that send other than keep doing what you're doing because we don't take it seriously and you can get away with it. And today's Armed Citizen story from uh, Gary, Indiana, where a uh, Gary woman shot a burglar uh, in her home Friday morning. Tense moments for that woman, as you can imagine. It was about uh, 5 o'clock in the morning when Gary police officers were dispatched to a home for a report of a burglary in progress. There was an unknown male attempting to make entry into the residence in which a 56-year-old woman was inside. While officers were on the way, they then were updated by dispatch that the suspect had made entry into the home by breaking out the window. The female resident of the home told dispatch that she had discharged her firearm but was unsure if, he had struck, if she had actually hit the male. When officers arrived on scene, they located the suspect in front of the home with apparent gunshot wounds, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, 36-year-old male later declared deceased by the Lake County Coroner's Office, identified as uh, 36-year-old Gerald Mitchell of Gary. The uh, Lake County Homicide Unit says that uh, they will investigate, but uh, at this point, this would appear to be a, a clear-cut case of self-defense. We'll give you any updates if and when they uh, become available. But again, 5 o'clock in the morning, you're probably sound asleep in your bed. All of a sudden, you hear that sound of somebody trying to get in the home that doesn't belong there. Again, scary, scary moments. And uh, if this woman did not have a firearm, we don't know what the end result would have been because this guy gained entry. She did everything that gun control groups tell you you're supposed to do, right? Call police, call 911, wait for them to arrive. Well, she did most of that. 
She called 911. She did wait for them to arrive, but they hadn't gotten there by the time this guy broke through a window and started crawling in to get inside. And at that point, the advice from the gun control groups um, falls apart because they would recommend what? You run and hide. Uh, you uh, yell and scream. You uh, <clears throat> use your fists and feet, anything but a firearm to protect yourself until police get there. Well, I'm glad that she was able to protect herself. I'm glad that she had a gun. I'm sorry that someone lost their life trying to break into a stranger's home. But uh, I am glad that the uh, homeowner was unharmed here. Now, let's turn our attention uh, to today's good deed of the day in the right place at the right time. Willing and able to do the right thing to get four little girls out of a burning home. Those are the uh, girls in question there on the left, the burning home on the right. And that uh, officer with those uh, four kids, Bill Baudet, who is a uh, 29-year veteran of the St. Paul, Minnesota Police Department. He was on patrol Thursday morning. It was about 11 o'clock when he saw smoke rising from a duplex. He uh, called the St. Paul Fire Department uh, and then uh, uh, started assisting residents out of the home himself, able to help a resident out of the upper unit. And the uh, woman who he was assisting told the officer that there may be kids in the downstairs part of the duplex. He says, I was trying to wait for the fire department, because I, but I couldn't because the house was starting to fill with smoke. He said, so I kicked the door in and I found these four kids. Uh, the kids ranged in age between three and seven. One of the kids was sleeping. But Ed says, I've seen bad things. You just put your safety in the back and you go. Only took him about 15 seconds to get the kids and take them to safety. The uh, child's father had stepped out of the house before the fire began. Um, Deputy Chief uh, Ken Adams, Fire Chief Ken Adams, says that one of the things we know about young children in fires is that they become scared. And when they become scared, they don't go out. They hide. They hide under beds, uh, they'll hide in closets, they'll try to get away from the smoke that's coming into the building. It's a death trap. Police department uh, said officers don't get to choose calls, these calls choose officers. Officer Budette was in the right place at the right time and was able to change the course of this event for this family. So uh, again, thanks to his life-saving efforts, uh, Bill Budette with the St. Paul, Minnesota Police Department, we thank you for your very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I do appreciate you being a part of the program as always. I would encourage you to check out the website, bearingarms.com, throughout the day for even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. We've got you covered. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber as well. Just go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive news stories, commentary, analysis, things you won't get anywhere else because your support really does make a difference and it does matter. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Until then, be well, be safe, be free.